Hi folks, and welcome back to another South Pole podcast. This is episode 14 with Stony Ware, a fourth quarter ranch down there in Roseland, Louisiana. So in today's episode, Doyle Unruh and I get to talk to Stony about his South Pole story. And it was actually surprising to me that we learned that Stony actually grew up as a city boy. He didn't have a background in agriculture at all, but started down this South Pole path in about 2018. So he tells us a little bit about what drew him to the South Pole breed initially, um, how he's building soils on his farm, and what he's actually selecting for genetic-wise within the breed itself that works best for his farm in Louisiana. We also get to talk a little bit about the South Pole Field Day, which is coming up and being held at his place this year. Tells us about getting ready for that and why Friday night is going to be a special night that you won't want to miss. So folks, if you know you're going to be coming to the South Pole Field Day this year, I highly encourage you to just go ahead and early register online. We would definitely appreciate that. All you have to do is go to southpole.com, southpolepoll.com, go to the events page, and there's a button there to click to register. It's only $50. Again, this year, keeping the price the same, it's only $50. There are not many events these days, which are two-day events, that you can get for $50. So it's a great price. We keep it low on purpose so that everyone can come. And uh, it's going to be a great time this year. Got some great speakers <laughs> up online there for everyone to listen to. And some amazing breakout sessions as well. Another event you will not want to miss. So go ahead and register for that, folks. And without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, folks. This is Becky Zarzinski with Dolan Rue, and this is another episode of the South Pole Podcast. And today we're with Stony Ware with Fourth Quarter Ranch in Roseland, Louisiana. And he is going to be telling us a little bit about his background and history and a little bit of a South Pole story today. So, Stony, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, Doyle. I appreciate it. And my little journey with South Pole started uh, in 2017. I was helping a friend uh, with his cows and didn't know anything. I grew up a city boy. And um, his dad and I uh, were helping him. And actually, we were doing all the work, but it was still fun. He, had, he just had commercial cows. So we decided his dad and I were going to go to LSU Ag Center and take the master cowman program and about three quarters of the way through it the guy who owned the property and the cows decided he's a full-time dentist he decided he didn't want to do it anymore so we were like wait a minute we, we went through this program and so what are we going to do so i talked to my wife i said you know i really like these cows they're a lot of fun and and um you know, once I retire from the software industry, I'm not going to make a good Walmart greeter. So I need to do something else. So that's when she said, oh, okay, uh, if you say so. And so we started looking for a piece of property. We found it. And not too long after that, I enrolled in a class in Jackson, Mississippi, put on by the um, uh, stock and grass farmer. And that was. Um, a great program is multi-species grazing by Greg Judy. And so during the class, I talked to Greg a lot about the cows. And of course, he's a big South Pole guy. 
And before that, we had looked into um, farrow cattle and, and um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Smaller cow is what we were looking for. I believed in that uh, philosophy. And but after talking with Greg, he's pretty much sold me on South Pole. So I uh, basically hired Greg as a consultant to come to our farm and help us set it up with the water and the fencing and everything so that we could bring on some cows. And so with the beginning of 2018, we purchased 20 bred uh, heifers from a, a ranch, a Brown's Cattle Company. And that was our start. Uh, some were 50%, some were full blood, some were purebred, but that's all we could find at the time. And um, that's how we got our start. So we had the 20 full bred cows. Oh, excuse me, the 20 bred heifers. So Stoney, um, you kind of went through a little bit of your background there. Um, is that kind of where you really started farming or did you have any background zero in the cattle? I think you said you kind of moved in and started working there. And along with that, um, are you just in the cattle now or have you integrated, you know, and done the Joel Salatin thing, tried the chickens and the pigs and all that? Or tell us a little more about that, just a little more overview. Sure. Well, in the beginning, I did read pretty much all of Joel Salatin's books. Sure. And before we had the cows, I was like, that's absolutely what we have to do. We have to have the chickens to follow the cows so we don't have the fly issue. Well, then I started thinking about it. If you've got a um, movable chicken coop with 600 chickens, somehow you got to sell 600 eggs a day. <laughs> well, that wasn't going to happen. I do have a full-time job. And so the chickens got thrown out the window, kind of flew the coop per se. And um, I still like the idea. I still, I, we do have chickens currently, but we only have uh, 10. And um, so, uh, and, and they are egg layers and they're free range, but uh, to have 600 chickens to follow the, the uh, cows wasn't gonna work. Then not too long after the cows, we did get goats. Uh, we had um, six goats, but of course the goats were, very mischievous. They like to jump all over the tractors and lawnmowers and the side-by-sides and everything else and, you know, do their business. So eventually we got rid of the goats because it was just too much to try and handle. Well, then we went from goats to sheep. So now we have some commercial sheep and we uh, not too long ago bought some registered Katahdin sheep. Uh, so we have a registered Katahdin ram and uh, ewes. So we thought about mixing the sheep with the cows, but it's a little bit of an issue with the minerals. So uh, right now we're trying to figure the sheep out and figure out if we're going to do that. But to get back to your question, I had no experience whatsoever uh, with farm animals, never grew up on a farm, never really went to a farm. But uh, once I helped my friend and I was hooked, it was just a lot of fun. It still is. I love That's it. Awesome. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. So Stoney, being that you were a green farmer at the beginning, obviously uh, new to this uh, industry, 
what essentially or what initially drew you to the South Pole breed? Were there certain characteristics? I know you'd mentioned their frame size, um, but why was that smaller frame size um, something you were looking for? What other characteristics were you wanting for in your genetic pool on your farm? Sure. Well, the smaller frame size, obviously, you know, you can get more cows per acre in the end, more calves per acre. Um, and, you know, the, the idea that they're docile and believe me, they are. I mean, at times I've had 100 animals in our corral separating and working them by myself in the corral and not one time in the four years, almost five years we've been doing this, have I ever had a cow try and knock me up against the fence or anything else. They're just extremely gentle animals. Even my bull, he loves to have his back scratched. And um, a lot of our cows do. Some of them are a little standoffish, but that's okay. They're not skittish. They just, you know, when you walk up to them, they just kind of walk away and that's okay. So that's one of the things I really like about them. The fertility obviously is um, a great asset to this breed. Um, frame size. I do like that uh, they're heat tolerant. I do live in South Louisiana. And so the heat tolerance is a, uh, a good, a good uh, benefit to have. Maybe tell us a little bit about, um, you know, maybe farm size, if you want to kind of where you're headed, what you're doing. Um, you kind of give us your personal background. Um, when you calve, that's kind of something that's always interesting because, you know, Totally different climate where you're at than where I'm at, where Becky's at, you know, further on north. And then uh, what are you doing to market these animals and how's that working for you? Sure. So the first thing is when you talk about the, the different uh, qualities of the breed, I mean, for, for me, you know, the frame size, they're all pretty close. So that's not as much of a determining factor. Um, fertility is. I think fertility is our biggest factor that we look for. You know, does a cow breed, you know, does a heifer breed, does it breed back? Um, and, and that's what we're looking for in the cows that we have. Do they have a good udder? Do they take care of their calf? And really, I think everything else, the gentleness, the size, across the board, it's all pretty even. So that's not really a deciding factor for us. It's just like, okay, that's a given. So that's not a factor. As far as our farm size, uh, when we first purchased the property, we, we live on now, we, we built a house on the property. Um, but when we first purchased it, it was 93 acres, uh, mostly pasture. And it's Bahia grass is, is what it is. And it's always been cut for hay. And so one of the things we've tried to do is always keep something growing. In the winter, uh, well, in October, we plant a winter mix, uh, which is usually a 10 seed mix of different things to try and help the soil, as well as give the cows something to eat this time of year when they start calving. Um, and then occasionally or a few times we've done a summer mix, but really, our grass grows, especially last year because we had so much rain, but our grass grows and we can maintain the herd uh, with what we have without supplementing any other summer mix. So as far as calving, we are in a much warmer climate. Like today, um, I could have been outside in short sleeves um, and we've had, we started calving uh, three days ago 
And normally I would calve a little bit later than this, not much, but a little bit. Um, we do like to calve into February because that's typically when the uh, forage is good for the cows and we take them off the sacrifice pasture where they've been getting hay and put them on the grass, uh, the, the fresh growth that's there. Um, so far, unfortunately, we've had, um, we, we've, we've uh, had five bulls and five calves. So uh, heifers are a rarity here right now, and we're hoping for heifers soon. Yeah. Um, I'd have one more question for you. You talk about the mixes there that you're growing and taking over land that is Bahia and always been hayed. That's like starting from somewhere below zero. And I think you know what I mean. So yeah. how's that working? Do you have, do you have a success story? Or are you just kind of working with it and slowly growing or? Well, the, uh, actually the main, the main grass is still Bahia and it, it will be, I mean, it's just what grows here. We're too far South, uh, for fescue. So we can't, we can't have fescue here. And Bahia is the, the, na the uh, native grass in this area. So, you know, the mix that we use uh, has a couple of purposes, one to increase the nitrogen in the soil. Um, so we will do um, radish, turnip, peas, um, hairy vetch, ryegrass, oats, um, probably a few other things that I can't think of right now. But, you know, a good mix uh, that adds fertility to the soil, uh, as well as forage for the cows. And we've also uh, worked with another guy up in the north. Uh, his name is Todd Harrington. And he has been in this business for 35 years. And he believes in the uh, compost tea. So we have a compost tea machine and a sprayer. And we'll make compost tea uh, to try and spray to add the biology to the soil that we don't currently have. So we're trying to increase the bacteria and the fungi, the nematodes into the soil to try and build that kind of soil that Becky's so proud of. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I think soil health, I think we can all agree, especially with a lot of our listeners, that's probably our main focus for a lot of folks, especially in this breed. Um, and even right now, I know with uh, folks who use chemical fertilizers on their farms, you know, price of that has doubled, if not tripled in some areas. I know around here, our nitrogen has tripled. And so having healthy soils where, with utilizing grazing of these South Poles, I think is really beneficial. And having a breed of animal that's bred to be efficient on forage only, especially with the prices of inflation, everything's kind of going up right now. And so efficiency is really something that I think a lot of farmers are looking at. And I know for us personally, South Pole breed has been really good about that. So what do you, what do you think on those terms, Tony? Absolutely. And that's one of the things I left out that we do kind of maybe calls not work, not the right word, but we do look for those animals that do well in our environment. And, and, you know, so, I mean, maybe, al although we've gotten some from Missouri, we've gotten some from Alabama um, and they seem to do well here. So it, it doesn't really matter where we brought them from. Um, they seem to do well in our climate. 
But if we have some that don't seem to adapt well to what our forage is, then we'll look to uh, potentially call those out. But I agree with you. I mean, the ability to be able to just eat on what we have and what we're able to give, because, you know, like I say, I, I know fescue is a great uh, forage for cows, but, but we don't have it and we can't grow it. So they have to be able to survive on, on what we have. And so far we've got fat cows. That's good. That's something that's easy to, uh, it seemed like it's easy. Becky talked about the green farmer. It seemed like we all go through that period when we start now, where we, we, we start thinking about efficiency and maybe we don't keep enough forage in front of our animals, you know, and they suffer because you got to face it. The first few times you look at a cow, you can't tell whether they're fat or skinny. You just don't know. It takes time to build that eye. You're probably like everybody else, saving a lot of heifers. Um, those bulls you're talking about, you kind of reference that you're going to have some for sale in the future. So <laughs> you uh, word of mouth, putting them on the on the website, Facebook, just there's there's probably a line of people waiting to show up and buy them in there. That's correct. I mean, what we've done in the past um, before they wanted to take the uh, sales off of Facebook, you know, we would just post something an hour and a half, like um, two, I think it was two springs ago, we have 20 some odd um, animals for sale and hour and a half, they were gone. And uh, we just posted something on Facebook and it's like, boom, you know, nobody bothered to say, well, you know, how about if I give you this much? You know, they're just like, oh, you have that, I'll take it. And um, so uh, we, don't, we haven't had any problem. It, it's still word of mouth. Um, and we do post on the uh, South Pole website in the classified section now uh, when we have animals for sale. But uh, as far as heifers, we're, we're keeping most, if not all of our heifers uh, right now because uh, we just purchased some additional land that borders our property. It's another 62 acres. And uh, they're in the process of clearing it and um, should be finished before field day. Uh, well, they will be finished before field day and I'm hoping to get some grass planted there. So we'll be able to expand our herd from what it, current, it currently is, which is about 43 mama cows uh, to about 90 is what we're looking for in the end. I think that's what the land can support. To kind of go off the, uh, the statements of obviously these, these cows are in demand right now. I think we all know that. I think it's because it speaks so highly of the adaptability, longevity, and fertility of this breed. And we've kind of been doting on this breed, obviously, because we're all South Pole farmers here, but have there been any challenges with this breed that you've encountered so far? You know, let's, let's talk about both sides here. So have you specifically seen any challenges with, you know, having South Pole down there in Louisiana and on that grass? To be honest with you, no, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, one problem we've had. Uh, we haven't had fertility problems. We haven't had birthing, pro you know, calving problems. I mean, last year we had 30 calves and every one of them, we'd walk out there and say, oh, we got another calf. You know, we, we didn't have to pull any of them. And, and we had heifers, you know, that calved last year too. And um, not to say that never happens because we have in the past had a couple that we've had to pull, but, you know, of the amount of calves we've had, it's, it's been pretty negligible. 
And then, um, like you say, I mean, they're heat tolerant, they're fertile, they're gentle. Um, I, I can't think of anything that I would do different. I, I believe that I would never own a different breed of, of uh, cow. So the only issue is that you keep having too many bull calves. <laughs> right, right. If I could somehow find a female producing bull and, um, you know, or two, that, that would be great. Or yeah. if there was a shot I could give them to guarantee me a heifer, um, that would be the thing. Well, you're not the only one to, to talk about those things and have that, that sort of story that, you know, heifers calve unassisted you know, don't check the cattle when they're calving because you, you, you realize that it really doesn't, you know, they're going to do their job. That's kind of what Teddy did with, and I say, don't check them, you know, it's always good to check them, but I'm talking about the people that are living with them all night long. You know, we, they go to bed at night. We go to bed at night. We get out there in the morning. A lot of times there's a calf, you know, we're paying attention, right. but you know, not, not, I'm not talking about neglect. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty neat to hear that. Yep. When we go out there, I mean, I love it. I, I love calving season. It's my favorite time of the year. You know, it's a surprise every day. And, and, um, you know, I go out there and, and see, you know, it's, it's fun to look at the cows and try and figure out, okay, she's going to calf in two days, you know, um, just to try and guess when they're going to calf. And then you go out there and there's a calf and, you know, one of the things that people that do not have this breed are so surprised about is the next day. So I used to do it the same day the calf was born, but now I do it the next day. So the next day after the calf is born, I go out there and tag it. And um, I have never in the whole time I've been doing this been attacked or felt threatened by any cow that knew I was doing something to their calf. They'll come up and they'll kind of make some noise sometimes and they'll sniff me and try and figure out, hey, what you doing? But um, I've never been afraid to tag a calf uh, out in the pasture the day after. Um, like I said, I used to do it the same day, but for whatever reason, I figured, well, I'm going to let the mom and the calf bond and do their thing and make sure the calf's got, you know, what they need. And I'll just catch them the next day because I haven't had it problem catching the calves the next day so as long as you don't wait too much longer i know for right us, it's about 24 hours and those suckers are gone <laughs> you're right you wait any longer than that and forget about it as they say you either yeah. need to be really fast or have extra help that's right yeah so uh you talk about being hard to find animals um and i, I think you maybe have mentioned this previously to me um I think you went out and maybe kind of with the plan of buying your own seed stock, maybe in the beginning, got a few good animals to maybe raise some of your own replacements, your bulls, that sort of thing. Or how did that work for you? Did I yes. read into that correctly or? Yes. I mean, what we did, of course, initially when we didn't have any animals, we bought um, really the only ones we could find. Um, and we're in Alabama and um, Brown's Cattle Company. And they turned out to be good. We still have a lot of those cows in our herd. Um, and then from then, you know, I bought some from some of the top breeders. You know, I go out and try and find 
the best seed stock that somebody's willing to sell me. And, it, it, you know, it hasn't been, well, I can only afford this or that. I'm not a young person like some of y'all. So I have to speed up this process. <laughs> so I don't have 20 or 30 years to get this going. And so I'll go out and buy the best genetics I can get and then bring them into the herd uh, to increase what we have. So today we probably have 95% full blood. Uh, we started out with some 50%, some purebred full blood, you know, just a mix of what we could get. And so over time, you know, when we had, we could only have of the, of the uh, pasture that we had, we could only have a limited number of cows. So instead of, you know, getting rid of a full blood, let's say, because they were still a good animal and keeping a 50%, we'd get rid of the 50%, even though, you know, the, uh, the mix is the 50%, they were still great cows. I mean, they bred back every year and, and, and they were great, but it just, to me, it didn't make sense to, if, if you can only have so many cows on, on your farm to keep the mixes versus the full bloods. Well, it sounds like you still have, you know, a few, I'm sure you probably follow in the philosophy that you keep in the best ones, you know, and, and they're continually probably upgrading a little bit, you know, obviously the closer you get to the top, the less you upgrade, but I always like to point out to particularly our new listeners, there's no magic bullets, you know, if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find that anywhere, but what Teddy has done and what we as breeders should continue to do is always call out the problems in the lower end, that's the stuff that you send to market that you butcher, you know, cause we're here to raise beef. If we were in the pets, right. you know, uh, these cattle make really good pets, but you know, a dog probably is a better pet, you know, ultimately <laughs> or a sheep or something, you know, cause if they step on you, your toe isn't broke, but, um, yeah, it, it sounds good. What you say, that's, it's kind of enthusiastic, uh, enthusing, really looking forward to seeing your farm, seeing your livestock. Well, thank you. We, we have uh, kept some of our percentage cows over full bloods. I mean, in the past, uh, we've sold some of our full bloods, you know, that um, uh, either didn't fit what we were doing or, or whatever the case was and, and kept some of the percentage cows. It's just over time, we have fewer and fewer of the percentage cows left. And um you know, in fact, uh, one uh, one guy got two of our favorite cows on the farm. You talk about pets. These two were pets and uh, and they were great cows. They were 75 percent. They were both born here and he absolutely loves them. In fact, he's posted uh, on the South Pole Forum uh, one of these cows playing with his daughter, chasing uh, a ball up and down the fence. And um, we really hated that. to. Yeah, we really hated to uh, give those two up. They're great cows. Well, Joel kind of mentioned a little bit. We're excited about seeing your your cow herd. And I guess that's a good um, segue to you are going to be hosting the the field day this year, the, the South Pole Field Day and Cattle Auction at your place in June. And I know um, we'll probably, probably try to do another podcast later on a little more details about the field day, but I know you're getting ready and geared up to do that. And I'm, I'm sure it's a lot of work, but we're super excited about it. 
Well, I appreciate it. And, and we are, my wife and I are very excited about hosting it. We're looking forward to it. Um, we're doing everything we can to make it one of the best, just like yours was Becky at your place. And, um, you know, it, you're right. It's a lot because you're trying to arrange everything and, and make sure that you have enough food. One of the things that I hope is that people will register early enough. So we have a good idea of how many people are actually coming. And, and so hopefully Everybody will register early. We have a lot of good things uh, planned for the field day. Um, we hope that everybody's going to enjoy it and, and um, have a great time. So uh, you talk about planning for food. And um, I have heard that maybe there's a little something, maybe unusual plan for, for Friday <laughs> night. You know, maybe in this whole register early thing, maybe tell us about that. And, and maybe we'll light a fire in somebody. Friday night will be special. Um, we have Louisiana Seafood Council has donated all the seafood for the meal on Friday night. And then we have the top uh, seafood restaurant in town that is going to prepare it for everybody. And so Friday night's meal um, will be delicious. I mean, it's going to have all Louisiana seafood, a big variety uh, we'll also have some stuff for people that do not eat seafood. I feel sorry for you, but uh, we'll try and have some food for you so you don't starve. And um, we have a lot of other things as far as the meals uh, planned that are very exciting. Awesome. Well, this will be my first time to Louisiana, so I'm coming just for that night. <laughs> coming just Great. for the seafood. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, Awesome. Well, uh, just one more thing on the field day is we're about an hour north of New Orleans. So if you've never been to Louisiana, you have to try and extend your stay and visit. There's a lot to see uh, in the city and a lot to do in the city. Do you want to just briefly touch on, don't you have some guy maybe teaching some techniques there? Maybe just to give a little bit more teaser what might be coming at the field day? If you got a couple ideas there, just briefly run through it. And I, I think that um, there's going to be a guy, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a guy to teach people how to set up an electric fence. And so he'll show the post and how the post should be to support one another uh, at the end of the fence. And then he's also going to teach how to um, tie the wire. And there is a trick to that. And I think that's very helpful. So the guy is going to teach people. I know that's something I can really use because occasionally I have to fix something or tie the electric wire back onto a post. And it, the way he shows you how to do it, it's real simple. So if you have people beginning with electric fence, um, it'll really be helpful. And I think there's a couple of other uh, people that are going to be there, but I don't have all the details yet on that that'll be for our next podcast okay sounds good uh i guess let's we'll start wrapping things up here um there were a couple more questions before we uh, let you go though because i want to be respectful of your time stony but um are there any timely tips that you want to share with our listeners today um maybe something like a grazing strategy that you are um, trying out something innovative or any tools or equipment that you use that are 
super helpful for your operation? One of the things is we have, uh, thanks to Greg Judy, we have a five wire electric fence around the perimeter of our property. And then um, we also have water. Uh, we put water with uh, PVC pipe with pop-ups every 200 feet. Now, the biggest benefit about the electric wire is it keeps the predators out. We've never had a coyote or a pig, a hog on our property because of the fence. Now, our neighbors all complain about it. Complain. We hear the coyotes at night, but they never come on our property. And so, and the same thing with the hogs, they're tearing up our neighbor's property, but we don't have a problem with it. And so it's been great keeping the predators out. Of course, the cows uh, respect the electric fence. Um, we do some cross fencing and, and there's only one wire and it keeps them where they are. As far as the water, the beauty of that is um, we move our cows every day. Uh, in the in the grass growing period, not right now. They're on a sacrifice pasture with hay, but when the grass is growing, we move our cows every day, and so it's real simple to unhook the water from the pop up, hook it back up to the four wheeler, drive it, you know, a hundred feet, two hundred feet, whatever, plug it into the next pop up, and boom, they have fresh water, and so our troughs are always clean water, and I think it's important. It drives me crazy to see algae in, in a trough that a cow's drinking out of. But um, so that's probably the two biggest things I would say is, is uh, the pop-ups and, and being able to uh, move the water and keep it fresh. And the cows know it too, boy. They get so excited when I move the water. It's like they almost don't give me time to uh, get the hose in the ground before they're sticking their head in there because they love that cold, fresh water. Awesome. Love that. What else do we need to wrap up with, Becky? Um, I guess the last question for you here, Stoney, if people want to find you in the internet world, are you online? Are you on Facebook, social media? Where can folks find you? We do have a Facebook page. Uh, it's Fourth Quarter Ranch. Facebook doesn't allow 4TH, which is our official name. So we have to do it, uh, spell the word out, Fourth. Uh, fourth quarter ranch. Uh, that's where we are. Uh, we don't post a lot on there. I probably post more on the South Pole forum than I do on our homepage. Um, but uh, there, there is some information. You can see some pictures and whatnot of our animals and the house, the family. Awesome. Awesome. Well, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. And I guess it's dried off finally enough to get that other land cut. And I think some of that, what's going to be parking and you're planning on putting grass down, you know, I've tried to overseed some timber. So I'm clear, curious to see how it'll go in your, your climate. I hope you got, you know, beautiful grass there where that timber used to be, but sometimes that can be a struggle. So I think it varies by soil type and you probably got the leg up on that one with your soil type. So I guess we'll see. I well, old, on that one. thank you. Old growth forest is some of the best, but you know, who knows when you've got this equipment, this heavy equipment that's been going back and forth over it um, for a while. I mean, I'm sure they've killed any good bacteria and, and um, microbes that are in there, but we'll see, you know, I mean, originally we had planned uh, parking across the street. Um, 
but we're really pushing to try and get this land uh, to a state that people can park on it. So they're here on the property without us having to shuttle anybody. That's something we're working really hard on. Great. Well, well thank you so much for putting in all that work for the field day there, Stoney. Um, I, again, I can't wait to come down to Louisiana. It's my first time, so I'm pretty excited. But uh, is there any last remarks or um, advice that you want to give our listeners before we sign off here? Well, we're real easy to find um, when you come here because we're only one mile west of the interstate. So uh, whether you're, whatever direction you're coming from, uh, if you fly into New Orleans, if you have to fly, we're an hour north of New Orleans, uh, real easy to get to. It's all interstate travel. It's really no back roads. And so um, simple to get here. We can't wait to have everybody here and show the place and host the event. Great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you. Sonny. Thank y'all. All righty, folks. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to Stony Ware's South Pole story. I always enjoy listening to how people get started and, and how the South Poles are fitting into their own operations in different parts of this uh, beautiful country. So really appreciate that, Stony. And just a couple of reminders. If you heard something that kind of perked your ears up uh, about the breed today, please find out more at our website at southpole.com. So at southpolepoll.com. That is our official page. We have a lot of great videos. We've got lots of articles about the breed and the association and really uh, really encourage you to visit that. Lastly, if you know you are going to be attending this field day this year um, at Stony Ware's place, I highly recommend that you go ahead and just do an early registration. It's cheaper. You can get it done and out of the way, and that way all you have to do is worry about is just coming. So I'm already signed up. I'm ready to go, and I can't wait to see your smiling faces there. Folks, thank you so much again, and until next time, happy grazing.